What up, everybody? What's up? And welcome to Pop Culture Perspective, aka PCP, for short. Not the drug. Exactly. Uh, you guys are now rocking with the best poetic soul and memester equally, because we believe in e- more than equality, but equity. Yes. There's a difference. What is the difference? Equality kind of doesn't level the playing field, whereas like equity takes into account that some people might have less starting off, whereas equality is only like. Does it, it's hard to it's hard to explain. Does equity doesn't that have something to do with investments? That too. Okay. But equity in terms of the like social construct and all that jazz, it's dealing with not just putting people in a like sure footing, but also bringing people who might be farther back into a place where they can actually excel. I see. Yeah. It's like distributing resources and capital based off of one's needs more so than just them being born, like period. So if like you're low income, then you would be able to receive the needs to propel you into a different mobility. Is that like the government assistance type of stuff or resources? Yeah, the the point of those are supposed to be able, they're supposed to be equity building type things. Like they're supposed to create those sure footings. And a lot of times, like people when they're fighting, they're thinking they just want equality, not knowing that if everything is distributed equally from where they're standing currently, then they'll... Due to their socioeconomic standards, yeah, (laughs) they'll still be in the same place. Yes. Like, if you say, for instance, you're in a race and mm-hmm. the person ahead of you was allowed to go 50 meters before, but you guys are both going to be at going at the same speed, right? Yeah. And then somebody was like, oh, we'll allow you to go like 100 meters from where you are right now. But we're also going to allow them to go 100 meters from where they are right now. That's technically what equality would feel like versus equity being, okay, we're going to start you guys off at the same starting point. Yeah. So basically, like, if equality is when you both get the same things, regardless of background. Yes. And then equity is, depending on your situation or your circumstance, you go into... You get more resources as needed, meaning that you're assisted. Yeah, in some type of and way. In and in in a, in a way, you're also like equal because you're equal it, to the person who already has resources available to them because of whatever circumstance have you, whether it be the systems in place, which for our society, that would be what uh, equity would be trying to level in terms of the playing field. And and that's the thing. A lot of times people are like, yes, equality, 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 not knowing that there's systems in place that hold us back already. And because those systems are there that hold us back, once you do get that quote unquote equality measured or certain things changed, It doesn't really put you on the same level as the next person because that person already have 55 rare candies. They're already a Charizard. You're still trying to get a Squirtle. That's just like the ideal of these programs is Mm -hmm. to kind of level the playing field. Yes. And and I wouldn't even say level the playing field. It's just give it... 
and to be completely honest, for a lot of programs such as like assisted living and things of that nature, it's not to level the playing field, and it doesn't level the playing field for people. A lot of times, it just gives them a starting base, because mm-hmm. America has like a crazy working poor, uh, I want to say class, where ideology we're supposed to, and within the capitalism, we're supposed to be like, okay, we're upper class, middle class lower class and Mm -hmm. the truth is we really have like four where it's like lower class working poor and then it's our middle class and then it's like the 10 percenters one percenters movie stars so how do these people that are in these uh socioeconomic statuses get to where they are we're all born into this (laughs) <laughs> like, but like, just to, as we continue on from last week, mm-hmm. like, how does race play into that? You know, okay, there we go. We'll break it down, and we'll break it down into two things. This week, we are talking about systemic racism. Wait, what's that noise? What time is it? It's Meepsterpedia. <laughs> Systemic racism, also known as institutional racism, is a form of racism that is embedded as normal practice within a society or an organization. It can lead to such issues as discrimination in in criminal justice, employment, housing, healthcare, political power, and education, amongst other issues. It's a lot of issues, man. But yeah, that's... That's the Meepsterpedia for you in regards to systemic racism, but we're gonna we're gonna take a deep dive. So systemic racism isn't just like a hierarchy, right? It's more like a, um, you know, I I wasn't the best at statistics, so charts not not my forte. But if you want to say anything, think of it as the planet and how it connects to each other, like the sun. I wouldn't say the sun, but literally the planet. If you think of a picture of the, yeah, if you think of the a picture of Earth, how you have, you know, continents separated by bodies of water. Think of those bodies of waters as lines, and every continent connected in some way. But that central continent is power, money. So they're all spheres of influence that influence each and every individual in different ways for those structures. And we reproduce, we reproduce those influences and those actions and the things that we learn from our parents who also learned from their parents who also learned from their parents. But we're also in these institutions and aligned with traditions that carry on and build up who we are eventually. Yes, there's free will involved, but at the end of the day, we are greatly impacted by decisions made before we got here. And then our free will trickles into that. Yeah, and it's also, like, the fact that we don't control every part of our lives. Like, society or the environment in general has, um, not that it has control, but, like, has a lot of impact in what kind of decisions we want to make. The best, the best way to put it, honestly, is influence. Like, because it influences us. It may influence us against a certain choice it may influence us towards a certain choice things of that nature but it does have an influence and sometimes that influence isn't felt sometimes it is uh but there's there's a lot of different systems in place so when people talk about systemic racism they're talking about 
prison systems and they're talking about their connection to school and how we are schooled or they're talking about how black neighborhoods are policed and instead of this is a good example when COVID first hit if you paid attention to how black bodies and black communities were policed about that information and about wearing face masks or not going out to the park and things of that nature predominantly in the hood they took the entire basketball rims off they taped those stuff up but if you go up to uh, a wealthier area manhattan they are painting those courts they still have the rims white people are walking around without masks and police officers are like do you need help with anything ma'am whereas mm. like people i personally know have been harassed for not even having a mask when maybe the peak was going on shame on those people that i know wear your mask but at the same time, that speaks to how black bodies are perceived. Once again, just as we spoke on the first episode about how it's a danger, a lot of these spheres of influence you start to realize are based off of one thing, and that is... The color of their skin. Yep. And fear. You know what I mean? That, yeah. that color generates fear. Because there's always that, oh, they're going to rise up and take something back like they did in Haiti. Yeah. So, like, this fear is generated from black people for is generated from white people taking black people and making them slaves yes and it's, it's generated yeah. from a lot of things because at the end of the day like there's no way you can enact violence on somebody and not think that there would be a repercussion so i feel like when a lot of laws and structures were being put in place for our society it was we can't let these people rise up because they're gonna take back all the stuff we took from them and yeah. they might disenfranchise us almost all the media once uh my people who were enslaved were no longer enslaved almost all the propaganda floating around was propaganda talking about the white man's disenfranchisement like i just did an article on uh forgive me the first african-american uh boxer and how once he finally took that championship belt they were like, okay, well, we're going to put out in the media the great white hope. We need we need a white person to come and take wow. back and show our diamond, dominance. And so this guy comes up. He's like, yeah, I'll come out of retirement, you know me. I'll box with this black guy just to show that white people are superior. Like, he's quoted as saying this. Yeah. He's quoted as saying that I will fight him to show that the white man is superior. And then he lost. Once he lost, there was riots because... Mm. Like, they, 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 they couldn't handle a black man being dominant in something. And that's just, that's crazy because that's speaking to the system. At some point in time, when when this man officially, when he officially became champion or when he was having that boxing match, he was going to knock the champion out and please storm the ring so that he, he wouldn't knock him out. They still gave him the title. That's cool. You can have the title. But at the end of the day, you can't, you can't win. You can't fully finish that finish line, but as long as there's some discrepancy, maybe they'll be like, oh, the officer stopped it too soon, he could have got up, things of that nature. But those speak to our systems. I see. That also reminds me of this film I just watched for class. It's called Within Our Gates. Mm -hmm. And um, there's this priest who is like preaching to his church, and he's saying that God will send them to heaven and so they don't have to like enact, enact violence for revenge and it's like this promise of hope that if you pray to god you know you're going to go to heaven that you're going to um 
like there's there's hope in the afterlife Mm -hmm. and that was all said because a white man was paying that reverend to it's a reverend not a priest it's a reverend (laughs) (laughs) paying that reverend money and then you also see in the scene that like this reverend just feels so bad but it's like how do i survive in this this um society you know Mm -hmm. and it's like like you were saying before many people have to link on to white men or white people in order to kind of survive in this world and the crazy thing is like it's this it's, it's this world it's it's hard to find a space where there's not a white face occupying a place of power even in spaces that you would believe were minority based places or like white spanish whatever have you so for instance south africa colonized yeah you go trevor noah people went like a lot of people i know when they think of south africa they think of africa the continent and they think of black bodies not knowing that there's a grip and grip and grip of white people in South Africa. Like, there's a lot of white people in South Africa to the point where when you look at the Olympics, a lot of the Olympians in South Africa, some of the Olympians that come out of South Africa are white people. And that also speaks to, like, their ability to accumulate wealth within those systems. But also in, like, you know, those commercials that, you know, ask you to donate to, like, Africa or, like, show you, like, pictures of Africa. It's Mm -hmm. all, like, that's a white voice narrating that. And it's like white people going out there mm-hmm. to like help them and meddling in business that they don't know or don't need to do anyways that's well, that that's just America. speaks to the system in terms of like the entire world and how at the very bottom of that because there's this weapon called race that's consistently used against people and to cause them harm it it goes hand in hand with those systems and at the very bottom of that are always black and brown bodies at the very bottom of that totem pole do any research anywhere and guess who's at the bottom afro something so it's crazy but we're gonna go into some of the systems like for instance let's see meepster point out one and i'll tell you how it's corrupt <laughs> government man everybody knows the government corrupt Basically, the biggest problem with our government is that our people, like, we don't have a direct line of voting. It's not like we have a real democracy where we're like, let's let's pick something to talk about and raise our hand and say, there we go. Is it like, well, for voting, for example, mm-hmm. the fact that our individual vote doesn't count? It's It's... Our individual votes count, but they really do feel like suggestions when, you know, the states are going to kind of sway the way that they're going to sway. But in terms of government and its impact on systemic racism, I will say I'll start from like the beginning so that people can have a better scope of that. Mm -hmm. I say this pretty often, like maybe not on the podcast, but just in general, the only way that America thrives and becomes the what it is today is because it had free labor. And that free labor was slavery. And for the longest, a lot of our government officials, presidents, things of that nature, they had they themselves had slaves. Because, you know, to be an official, to be a president, you need money. And the only, only the wealthy people were going to be able to have that propaganda, campaigns, what have you. So they were coming from the South and other places like that, affluent money, oil, uh, tobacco farms, and things of that nature. So it's already ingrained in 
in our country's forefathers it's ingrained in our identity in terms of having to keep people down so we basically allowed and created a caste system within our country based off of race rather than trying to just purely basis off of religions religious beliefs as it was in a lot of other places for a while but would you say like religious beliefs have more of an effect towards um like you know power because of like faith you know it's interesting because african americans like connection to religion is it's probably like everybody else's connection to religion it's up and down it's good and bad uh, when we got here, obviously we had our own and it was ripped from us. We weren't allowed to have our own practices and things of that nature. But they they definitely, with all the stuff they took from us, they definitely made sure to give us Christianity. <laughs> and they were like, we're going to teach you the good word. And one of the reasons that Christianity, uh, Catholicism, faith in general, religion in general is usually weaponized is because it has something that enables people to gatekeep, which is words yes you have to read the bible to be able to know what the word of god is and you have to be educated to read the bible exactly yeah so you can keep the disenfranchised you can keep the poor you can keep people down who can't read especially around this time like illiteracy was crazy the literacy is still actually crazy but that's besides the point so they use that as a tool like you weren't able to read but we can teach you that, you know, this God is merciful, uh, maybe not in this life, because this life, you're, this life is made for suffering. This life, this life is made for pain. But the life afterwards is rewarding. This, the life after everything that you've gone through here, because you've worked so hard, because you've been the best at working and doing these things, no matter what pain is inflicted on you by whoever, if you turn the other cheek and become passive and a good person, after this life, there's something better for you. And those teachings became detrimental to a lot of people because it kept them in the slave mentality, but also kept them pacified in terms of, okay, I know that if I turn the other cheek because this is what Jesus would do, then I don't have to raise up and I'll be quiet and I'll be meek and I'll make sure that uh, everything that I need to do is accounted for and done. Keep my head down and work hard. Keep my head down and work hard. Don't look up. Keep my head down. And that was just like a survival mechanism for them. And it's not just a survival mechanism. That's what that's literally what religion a lot of religious practices low-key preach in the doctrine when they were being conveyed to slaves. So Christianity, mm -hmm. when it was being conveyed, those were the experts excerpts that were being conveyed to African slaves to make sure that they now that they have this newfound faith understood that their pain and suffering was just part of life and that afterwards they can look forward to something and give them that hope but just be a good worker and passive now and fast forward religion changes for what it means to be black in America now you have church being a place where people conjugate you have church being the place where you learn and practice language and speaking and you hear the reverend who's so eloquent talk so now you can mimic him and you can go out and potentially get better jobs because he's closer to being able to talk in the cadence that white people accept in their workforce mm -hmm. and then you have people who were able to make it because of segregation still going on uh, Money-wise, they're able to ascend to middle class. They're going back to their communities or they're staying in their communities because they have no options. 
And now there are the people who are teaching you how to do this or employing you or allowing you to network because that's the most important thing. The church became a hub of networking. And when you fast forward and segregation happens, those middle class African-Americans move out and they're like, okay, well, now we can't, uh, you know, network with the same powerful networks because we're spreading out and not going back to those communities seeking that middle class dream. Once again, propaganda comes into play and social media, the most powerful thing of all within our sphere of influence in America, dampens us. So poetic. I know, I know. That cadence was actually taken from uh, church. And so like, that's just one, that's just one sphere of influence though. Like we have uh, so, so many. It's never ending. Never ending. But I mean, that's, I mean, a good thing and a bad thing, of course. Like, um, it kind of reminds me of, like, Scientology. (laughs) (laughs) And how, like, at least for, like, education. Like, if if your education is stemmed from Scientology, you're not going to know anything except Scientology. Yes. And so, and the same thing goes within, like, families, you know, like... If your family teaches you something, but you you're not like going to school, or you're, maybe you're going to a private school that holds the same values as your family, you're mm-hmm. not going to know anything else, and therefore you're not going to have the same like awareness to other cultures or other um, like societies or other like you know ideas in the world because you're just stuck in that bubble, right? Yeah, and that's the crazy thing with school which is another institution of systemic racism, the word of the week, Uh, is that it re-solidifies and reproduces a lot of harmful acts on people. So, for instance, when you think of, like, kindergarten and first grade, a lot of that is busy work. A lot of that is, yes, you're learning, but to be completely honest, you're probably learning the same stuff you you learned with your parents when they were trying to prepare you so you didn't embarrass them in school. It's more of just like a babysitting. It is more babysitting, but at the same time, it's babysitting with other people your age so that you can reflect their behaviors and learn how to act within society appropriately. If left to just you and your parents, you might come out slightly different than if it was like you and your peers. Mm -hmm. You and your peers, that's how you practice how to navigate the world amongst people your age so that you can be able to do so. And then it re-solidifies the ability to listen to somebody who's in a higher position than you. So when the teacher tells you, okay, I need you to line up in a single file and then follow these directions so that it's easier to control the amount of kids that I have, that one-to-many ratio, it teaches us that one focal voice-to-many ratio, that we're just a cog in the wheel. And that's re-solidified throughout the time that we're, we're kids because as children, you don't have rights. You're consistently told what you can and cannot do. So once you become an adult who does have rights, you've already been told that you don't have rights. You've already been beat down and told that you're supposed to follow a certain line that if you do show any deviance, as soon as the teacher sees that, as in like K through 12, going back to that, if you show any deviance, they're going to just like push you to the side. You get marked as something. There's something that went down like supposedly in the 80s. It's not supposed to be going down anymore. But what they would do is take kids who who were at risk or poor, low income, supposedly like bad and things of that nature, and they would put them all in the same class. 
and give them like bad teachers or no like no assassination and stuff. classroom like assassination <laughs> classroom that was very real that was like legitimately real yeah. the crazy thing is that actually happened to me like i was i don't know how it happened but throughout all my middle school all my courses and all my classes the group of kids that were in there were considered like the bad kids whereas like my sister on the other side always had one the teachers that everybody wanted to get two all her classrooms didn't go through anything that I went through. There was a year in seventh grade that I wanted to know. Yeah, yeah, it was seventh grade. In seventh grade, where I didn't learn anything in my English class. Because the kids were so unruly that they literally made our teacher quit. The substitute quit. Then we got another teacher. Her, her dad suffered a stroke. And... Yeah. Like, they were terrorizing her. Learned yeah. none, no English that you, whole year. You just needed Nagisa to help you. Like, exactly. <laughs> where, where is my anime sensei? <laughs> but, and, and the crazy thing with that, like, with schooling is it's a pipeline. Because when you're marked for deviancy, like, you, you, not everybody can learn the same. It's like also in prison too. Like once you're like once you're put in prison, you kind of have this mark on you that's like set for the rest of your life. And it cycles you back into prison. Yeah. Prison cycles you back. Uh, think about this. Our prison system is supposed to assist us in rehabilitation, mm-hmm. but most people don't understand that that's the point. Like, like. You're supposed to take people who were deviants or didn't follow the rules of the game and give them a slap on the wrist, slap on the butt, say, come on, you got to do better. Time to learn. Where did, where did society go wrong? How can we assist you so that when you go back to society, you have a better understanding of the rules that we've laid down? But it doesn't do that. Instead, if, there's a system in place because of power. Yeah, like whether you have private... Uh, private prisons which capitalize on prison work and once again it's the new slavery or even if you have just what the prison system is which hides people away to pretend like they don't exist and a lot of the times the people who end up in these systems commit crimes that are, are small crimes small felonies but because now they have been pushed to that outside and labeled that felon or labeled what have you uh, it's harder to be readjusted. They get their votes taken, o- their right to vote taken away. They get their. Um, it, it's harder to find job because now you have to mark that box that you've been to prison and things of that nature. Yeah, that really sucks because I. It's just like it's not. It's a system where it keeps setting them down, right? Yeah, all of us are just born into this system. Yeah. <sighs> so. I know social media is another aspect of systemic racism. Mm-hmm. And so how does that, how does media actually come into play with that? Because, you know, media is like news. It's social media. It's, you know, our podcast. And so, like, you know, what attracts people to believe or be influenced by what the media is telling us it's everywhere it's media is just as you listed it's so much that consumes so much of what we do uh i there was an old quote that my coach used to say that success 
isn't something you look to obtain. It's something that you repeatedly do over time. It's the same thing with greatness. You have to consistently enact those actions. And that's basically what a system is. Mm -hmm. And it's repeating that same action or that same behavior in order to make it like a a routine, a habit, yeah. something normal. Yeah. Yeah. And it's subversive. Like, no, most people don't, they're not aware that it's happening. That's the whole point of the system. But yeah. know that the system is in place on purpose because there's a benefit to it. If it didn't benefit such one group in such a large way, then you could probably be like, let's dismantle this. This doesn't make sense. But because it does really lend itself to assisting the quote-unquote dominant group within our society that's how you know that system is set in place on purpose so for instance social media affects us and media affects us because that's all we're bombarded with it affected us maybe at a larger clip one would like to assume and hope and romanticize when i want to say our country was younger and all you saw was propaganda but then at the same time here we are in 2020 and some people are like, is COVID real or not? Yeah. So I, I have a question. So with social media, I feel like social media was a great way to communicate or to bring awareness to the Black Lives Matter movement. Because, you know, well, while we were in quarantine, it's like, oh, like we were talking about last week, it was like all we saw. Mm-hmm. And but yet it. Although there's like some like changes, it's like it still doesn't make that huge impact in society as like a whole. Like I, you know, and it's just crazy how it's like there's just so many people in this world, and mm-hmm. it's like we don't real like we know it, but we don't like really realize how like different our opinions are with other people. Yes. Yeah. You know, the crazy thing is, I I say this pretty often, and. I pray that I'm wrong, but if we weren't all sheltered in place, I don't think the protests would have gone down the way that they have gone down in terms of strength, turnout, and things of that nature, because a lot of people, either one, didn't have to report to job, two, their job was a little bit more flexible, you know what I mean? And those who showed up because because they just wanted to show up, or obviously everybody showed up because they wanted to show up, Mm -hmm. but like those who had something to risk in terms of job-wise and still showed up to those protests can also be emboldened by the outpour of those who didn't have anything to lose Mm because it's easier to do things in groups so we may not have seen such a strong turnout if it wasn't for the fact that so many people were at home on social media whereas the difference like between then and maybe a couple of years ago is that people did have stuff to do and it's it's also kind of sad because it's almost it feels like you know and it shouldn't be this way like it feels like hashtag black lives matter was just a trend you know like a trend on tiktok and and that's the other thing like we don't understand that we ourselves are in bubbles for instance i'm not gonna lie there's no way i thought uh this cheeto puff was gonna be the president (laughs) of the united states like i legitimately was people were worried i i was a tutor at the time and my students were coming up to me like do you think he's really gonna win i was like nah there's no way but I forgot at that time I was at college. So I'm dealing with other and I live in California. Yeah. I'm dealing with other people who think like me. I'm on Twitter and I follow and like n- interact with people who think like me. So yeah. I too am in a bubble. Hopefully my bubble 
doesn't harm people the same way that other bubbles do, but I'm sure there's some type of hegemonic masculinity going on with the things that I do because I play sports. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So... So or you won't let anybody help you uh, carry groceries up the stairs. Because that's a reflection of my soul. I won't let anybody help me emotionally either, apparently. But that's another thing, and Anyways, that's also from my therapist. To, to <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, but, but that's the thing. Like, social media, we're being bombarded with it. And media in general, we're being bombarded with it. And we reinforce certain ideas because we enter bubbles and for instance there was a recent study of how people viewed immigration and it changed based off of what shows they watched and how they dealt with immigration it brought it brought awareness to people who otherwise assumed that immigration meant that or not immigration but illegal immigrants illegal immigrants were only latino people and it's like what my cousin Never mind, I'm not going to rat him out, but <laughs> I know black people who are illegal yeah. immigrants. <laughs> but um, you're also telling me how, like, in Superstore, too, like, it was mm-hmm. a good representation of this Filipino, um, yeah, so this person, <laughs> his name is Nico, the actor's name is actually Nico Santos, but he plays, a, I forgot his name. He's a Filipino guy in Superstore. But he's the Filipino guy in Superstore. <laughs> and he actually is caught by ICE and he gets deported. And, you know, and it's really cool because I feel like a lot of Filipinos, like, they have to wait years to get here. Mm. And, like, the process for them is so hard and challenging. And they have to pay, like, hundreds of dollars to this, like... I remember when I used to watch the Filipino channel with my mom when I was a kid, there was this like white lawyer on TV. I forgot his name. He was married to a Filipino and he had this show about how to like do the whole immigration process. Mm-hmm. And that that's what that's it. <laughs> and, and he made money off of that. And the crazy thing is because shows and TV and news will handle information and a certain way or a certain light, use certain diction. Oh, they're super thugs. Oh, uh, illegal immigrants, and then show like a Latino person. It causes harm for people. Who it also affects. So, for instance, if you're consistently seeing people who look like you on the news robbing people, like what is your self worth? What is your value within that society? You're mm-hmm. consistently fed an image of you being this. If you're consistently told you're an illegal immigrant, that's what you're being told. If you're consistently told that your food smells or da da da, then that's what's being resolidified in your own like psyche and that causes emotional physical health like problems because like our our nationality is our identity but Mm -hmm. like there's a difference right there's a complete difference between your nationality and your race like your nationality is legitimately where you're from i'm an african-american male whereas Mm -hmm. race because it's a social construct so that we can put people in a caste system you see a black person and sadly your race is the first thing people do see and that's how they react to you yeah. and interact with you. And a lot of times, the way they, they act and interact with you is influenced by the systems such as media and the people who help reproduce systems such as their parents and friends. But wouldn't you also say that it can be influenced by experience? It can. So the great thing about life and about being human is we can change with time. Yeah. So 
that's only can change can only come like this is my favorite saying in the world you need a catalyst for there to be change and that catalyst sometimes could be you losing something sometimes it's you being brought new information i would hope that it's you being brought new information because with information you can think critically and make better decisions for yourself and that's like the most that's why like education is so impactful for a lot of people especially higher education college like maybe high school so much is supposed to prepare you some schools do a great job of doing that some schools just do a really good job of circling circumventing you into a dead-end job yeah but once you get into those college courses you a lot of times it's like un it sucks because that's another thing that's gatekept like I said, a lot code switching languages, a lot of things are gatekept from us because to be able to go to college, you need a lot of things to go right in your life, yeah. whether it be money, whether it be research, whether it be self-efficacy to do research and look for it, networks of people who know, hey, this is what you need to do to get to where you need to go. Yeah. Books. You also need technology, like, you know that- library, email address. yeah but you also you know like to get into like a higher education you know you need those you know you need a certain like type of intelligence like a certain level of intelligence too and that reflects upon grades and the whole grading system is also like a system (laughs) in itself and that system itself is made to see who can follow rules the best Mm -hmm. I have a lot of a plus friends who if you have a conversation with them you're like really yeah you thought eel sauce was made out of eels yeah i understand it's called eel sauce oh it's not made out of eels eel sauce is not made out of eels oh why did they call it eel sauce see meepster is highly intelligent but there's <laughs> stuff like this that happens all the time <laughs> i wasn't even talking of her i'm so bad that you chimed in and didn't know <laughs> We're going to sidestep that because if I knew what eel sauce was made out of, I'd have a tub of it in my refrigerator right now. I just know it's not eels. But I feel like, you know, also you're, I mean, I guess this is just my point of view. Like your intelligence doesn't need to be like your identity. Like, you know, like you don't need to like, at least for me, I feel like I don't need to feel like I'm spitting out all this like information Mm -hmm. about things are like in a way where i feel like what i'm thinking is right because Mm -hmm. there's so many different opinions and so many different like perspectives other people have that it's just like it's a lot more i guess for my mind it's a lot more interesting just to like listen to them without like me having to you know and that's a blessing (laughs) on how you were able to be raised Whereas I didn't, I couldn't be raised that way because yeah. I have to one know laws and regulations because those will be used against me to be another pressure or pressure. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I had to learn from a very young age. Listen, you are black and you're not going to be able to do a lot of things that your friends might be able to do because you're going to be a target because you're something to be feared. You're looked at that way, and yeah. the more literally for me, the more I know, the better chance i have at life and at the same time i'm still working where i'm working you know what i mean like i'm still struggling and if you ask me it's not the conceit talking i'm probably one of the smarter people i know but there's still things that 
I have in my own way and there's things that like are are going to be kept in my way that keeps my intelligence from garnering anything outside of what I've already accumulated. Yeah. And it's like it's crazy because like believe it or not, mm-hmm. I can like I can get as dark as you, but I still don't need to worry about like you know the cops trying to pull me over and trying to kill me or like I don't have to worry about you know people always judging me in a demeaning mm-hmm. matter like i i'm just kind of free to like just be myself without kind of worrying about like how i look and so i know like growing up in a Fili- in a filipino family um my mom really like could like she really influ i guess tried to force me to make sh- like what's it called like she didn't like how I was dark. Mm. And she always gave me like papaya soap or like she would always make me like scrub really hard so that like I wouldn't be As dark. Time. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I'm a rebel <laughs> and I I didn't listen to her because I, I honestly like like the color of my skin. Mm-hmm. And but I know there's a lot of like Asians, um, especially Filipinos who are dark that don't because of that mentality that they got from their parents and when their parents got from americans (laughs) yeah and it's crazy because it's it's one of those things where when you look across cultures it's usually the fair skin that gets treated a certain way within those systems whether they have a system purely based off of caste or not and a part of me believes that within maybe those countries those places like these fair people they gain dominance in some way and now that they're in that sphere of dominance they have to protect that and so that's why those systems are set in place to consistently reproduce the status quo Mm -hmm. that's why you get nba players talking about hey you know we're gonna stand up rights for brianna taylor and you have news anchors telling them to shut up and play that sports isn't political but remember earlier in this thing i talked about jack johnson and how he was the first african-american heavyweight champion he did that 45 years after slavery his parents were slaves so sports has always been political because it's always used to be weaponized because it's within our system i feel like media is all types of media is like Mm -hmm. political whether whether you know it's comedic or whether it's like something really serious, like everything is political, everything is trying to convince you of something. If you're trying to make a point, it's political. One of the reasons why it's political is because we're in society and it's part of our civic duty to take part in society and talk that. So if we have a point of view in some way, it's political because there's somebody, a politician somewhere who wants that point of view to help them get votes or something of that nature. If somebody creates a movie and that movie has no point to it, then maybe it's not political. Maybe the point is to just enjoy it. So the, the point of Tiger King was that Carol Baskin killed her husband. And now she's dancing with the stars while he's not. (laughs) So that's crazy. I mean, he could be dancing in the stars. Dang, bars. Slayed him just like she slayed him. Uh, It's not funny at all. It's 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 a dead body. Forgive us. We're just trying to, you know, make you guys laugh because this topic is really heavy. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're, we're fun people. It took us like... 
two weeks to get to recording this because every time I thought about it, I'm like, dang, man, I'm black. It's already hard enough to just live and exist rather more so talk about it. It's like going through your traumas. I'm saying yeah as if I like relate to you, (laughs) but I mean like I understand what you're talking about. Like, I hear you. I hear you is what I mean. And you know, we'll we'll end it on this. So, overarching, the systems in place, they're real. Like it's it's not something that's made up. Has there been change? Yes, there's been change, but there's still a lot that we can do. And personally speaking. I know everybody's saying vote. I 100% agree on voting, but we also have to start getting people out there who look and come from places that we come from to run for office. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the next step. And the only way we can... Actually, that's not the next step. The only way we can do that is find them and then fund them. Mm. Because, you know, money makes the world go around. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I want to add this, though. But I'll say it. Because um, I was reading, like, these posts, like, from Instagram mm-hmm. and stuff. And it was, like, it's not about Joe Biden. It's about health care. It's about um, equal rights. It's about blah, 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 blah. And um, I was, like, wow, that's a really good way to, like, put it. Because um, I know that Joe Biden wasn't, like, the candidate that people you wanted. Know? Yeah. And so it's it's also that's like on social media too. And it's just so interesting like how to put that in perspective. Like when you're dealing with two presidents that, you know, look like they're 12. I mean, they look old, but they fight like, like they're 12. Fight like they're 12. That's what I meant. Yeah. It's like who do you choose? You know, the crazy thing and black people have been saying this for the longest almost no president has been for us anyways like we all voted for obama and even then there wasn't there was a lot of change enacted he's probably one of the best presidents for us that we've had but for african-americans yes like for us like did stuff to like really assist us in some type of meaningful empathetic way Mm -hmm. but that's because once again these systems aren't broken these systems have these two old white people who can barely talk eloquently <laughs> reflecting what our choice is the people on purpose because they have capital, they have fame, they have a platform that allowed them to get to where they were based off of what have you, what whiteness. It's, it's funny because I asked Poetic Soul, I was like, did you watch the debate? And of course he did. And um, I was like, just give me a summary. And then all he said was, it was just two old men fighting. Yeah. <laughs> like throwing slang at each other. And and you're right. It is, it is, it is about their policy. More so than who we're looking at. And we've had four years of one person's policy not cutting it. Whereas we know, at least with this next person, maybe his views are in alignment with somebody who we wanted for eight terms. Like, eight years. You know what I mean? Somebody that we make jokes about, like, please come back, Obama. Well, he was his vice president. Hopefully, he's in alignment with what their vision was for this country. But... Within these next four years, we have an opportunity to build something within our own communities, and that can be substantial, whether it's from a governor standpoint, 
or you know what I mean, a senator standpoint, but we do have the option to run and vote. Yeah. So, moral of the story is systemic racism. Fucking sucks, but it's not, you know, over. It's not over. (laughs) It's not over. And it's probably going to take, you know, I'm not even going to say how long it's going to take, but we can be the change to progress it into a better system. Exactly. And it legitimately just starts with awareness. Like, each one teach one, and the more you know, see that star coming, there you go. PCP. Was that Sonic? That was Sonic, but it wasn't supposed to be. (laughs) 